Talk Shoes. Recorded live. Hello, welcome to the American Occupational Therapy Association AOTA Pediatric Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sandy Shefkin. I'm the AOTA Pediatric Practice Manager. I'll be the moderator for this call. And this chat today is being led by family and youth, along with some occupational therapy practitioners, and we're going to be reviewing the importance of play as a valued occupation. There's some exciting new resources to tell you about and some important people to tell their stories during this call today. This call is recorded and it's posted in a repository found at the children and youth section of our AOTA website. If you want to find it, click on the blue tab titled Podcasts at www.aota.org slash practice slash children dash youth dot ASPX. And we hope you will share the link to this chat and you'll continue the dialogue on our discussion platform. So again, today we're discussing play, a valued occupation, and I want to introduce our speakers and thank them so much for facilitating a wonderful discussion today. We have Bonnie Riley. She's an assistant professor at St. Catherine University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Her teaching and research interests center on promoting child activity participation and family engagement in daily routines. We have Divya Sood with us. She's an associate professor and coordinator of the doctoral program in the Department of Occupational Therapy at Governor's State University in Illinois. Her research interests focus on understanding impact of the social environment on participation patterns of children with a disability. We have Ashley Stoffel with us. She's a clinical associate professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's also an occupational therapist at the UIC OT faculty practice children, youth, and families. We have Karen Schrantz with us. She's a pediatric occupational therapy practitioner with 28 years of experience. She serves children and families through the State of Illinois Early Intervention Program and Outpatient Clinic Services for children ages 3 through 12 years of age. She's owner of Kids Connection Therapy. She's also assistant professor and academic fieldwork coordinator in the Department of Occupational Therapy at Governor's State University. We're also very lucky to have Luke with us. He's a 10-year-old who will share some of what play means to him. And we also are lucky to have Yolo Adams with us. Yolo and her husband, Don, are the parents of three children. Yolo is going to share some of her family's experiences on play including how occupational therapy helped support inclusion in play. And last but not least, we also are lucky to have Chantelle Lopez with us. She's a student at the American University studying international relations. She is an intern for the National Organization of Youth Safety, and she's also helping to work on a collaborative project here at the AOTA office. So we're going to start out with Bonnie. Bonnie, can you talk to us a little bit about inclusive play? Well, play is the primary occupation of children and is very important for their quality of life. I think the best way to start our conversation today is by hearing a story from Luke, who has taught me how empowering play can be. Luke, to get us started with this conversation, do you like to play? I like to play imaginary and real. I can imagine anyone into existence, like gods to protect me. Luke, why do you like to play? Because I get to imagine any sort of play. 
I like to play with guards, amulets, and superheroes. I like, I feel protected during play by the guards. And I fight villains, I feel strong and safe. Who do you like to pretend to be when you play, Luke? Star-Lord, Black Panther, and Thor. What are some things you like to do when you're playing? I like to make things to capture villains. Making things helps me solve problems like capturing villains. How does this help you in real life? It doesn't. I have to do it the old fashioned way and work in real life. You have such a great imagination. Are there any things you like to play in real life? I can ride a bicycle, swing, and do anything I want in real life. Play makes me happy. You are my hacker because you can hack into my enemy's defense systems. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing what play means to you. You have certainly helped me better understand the value of play as an occupational therapist. As I think about the times I was able to play with Luke, I realized the same play activities will hold different challenges for different children, and each child needs a voice in defining what play means to them. Also, sometimes the play we are supporting may seem unfamiliar to our own play experiences, but this can be a fun opportunity to expand how we play. To answer the question, what is inclusive play? I would suggest inclusive play is play that attracts an individual's interest and offers value as something the individual feels is worth doing. A child's enjoyment, preferences, and motivation can predict the child's participation in play. The environment in which the play is incurring and the familiarity of the play within the child's routine also promote inclusive play. As occupational therapists, we are like artistic engineers who seek to create moments for play where challenges may lie. So I want to thank Bonnie and Luke so much for helping us to understand play from a young child's perspective. And Luke, feel free that you can hang up now. We just really want to thank you for sharing your story with us. It was very, very important. And we really want to thank you for being part of our of our recording today. Um, and I want to, <laughs> we're so glad, Luke, you were with us today. Um, and goodbye to Luke. Thank you, Luke. So we know that families are such an important part of a child's environment and their daily routines. And so we want to turn it over now to hear, we've heard from Luke, a, a, a young child, a young man. And now we want to hear a family story about play from a mother and from her occupational therapist, Ashley. Ashley, we're going to turn it over to you. Great. Uh, so I'm here with uh, Yolo, and uh, Yolo, I wanted to just start out with um, you sharing a little bit about what kinds of play activities or what kind of play that your children like to do. Yes. Uh, have three kids. My, uh, my kids like going to playgrounds, to the zoo. They enjoy going to museums and libraries, and recently they enjoy going to swim class. Great, so a variety of different activities. Can you tell us a little bit about what you like to do as a family? As a family, it's been a little challenging. I have a 13-year-old, 13-year-old with developmental delays. I have a 10-year-old who's neurotypical, and I have a 7-year-old who's on the autism spectrum. So as a family, we like to go to museums. We like to go camping, and the children love road trips. Great. And I think they like... Um, 
community activities recently. Uh, we trying to get involved in races, uh, those one-mile race, 5K races that the community around us uh, provides. Great. So running races, right? Yes, running races. Yeah, great. How do you think the opportunity to participate in play and play activities has impacted your your kids' development of new skills or new behaviors? I think play is very important because I like to take them to places where they can see how their children behave. Uh, Sometimes it seems a little bit hard because you see unwanted behaviors, but majority of the cases, um, they take something back from where the place they've been. Uh, we had they had acquired new skills, new behaviors through imitation and observation of other children participating, which I am really happy to to see. Great. And you mentioned several different play activities that your kids like to do and that you like to do as a family. So I'm wondering if you can talk a, a little bit about where your kids like to play or what environments are important to you as a family. My children seem to prefer they prefer to play in a structured environment. So I have to play, uh, take activities or places where behaviors or things are predicted. They are predicted because if I go to unknown environments um, where they don't know what to expect, they uh, seem to trigger a little bit of anxiety. So um, when I look for Places that can provide my kids a play activity. It's uh, some, you know, that I know it's uh, has been planned. The the zoo um, has great play time with, uh, you know, that are ready. Um, the activities have been planned, and they are able to tell the kids we're going to do this, 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 and this, and they seem to enjoy it uh, very much. You know, and they play with a neurotypical kids, so it's, it's been very nice to see. Can you describe a little bit more how your kids have been included in other community settings? Yes. uh, The Park District, uh, the 1C and the 2, have been three uh, really uh, helpful institutions, I guess, that have helped us in including my kids in community settings. Uh, We've been doing a Special Olympics for a while, so we wanted to uh, try to see if we can go into typical settings on the Park District will offer an, an aid or a buddy that will help them through the activity. And um, the YMCA will let us be volunteers. Now, it seems not a big deal, but to be a volunteer, you have to go through this, this protocol. But they were being flexible enough to let us be volunteers just for our kids. So we are technically our kids' aid. And um, the Sioux has been great uh, in having their the staff train really good. Um, they have been very uh, knowledgeable on how to deal with our kids' outsports emotions or how to explain to other kids what is happening with ours. Um, so I've been very uh, uh, happy to see uh, my kids being included with other children in these kinds of activities. Yeah, sure. Those are Those are really great examples. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how occupational therapy has supported your your child or your children's participation in play? Ah, yes, certainly. I think I have one word. I think OT has been strategies. 
uh, occupational therapy has supported the family with lots and lots of strategies to be able to participate in different plays. Um, I think it gave us a different eye. As parents, we go through these parenting emotions, and uh, occupational therapy really prepares us to see beyond our emotions and, and focus on the strategy that we had planned before. Um, we have um, focus on, you know, OT gave us the focus on triggers so we can conquer behaviors and skills a little bit of a time. So it gave us that opportunity to go uh, prepare to these activities. Not just emotional, but be prepared and think through it. And, uh, yeah, strategy is probably the word for me. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much, Yolo. I think you've given us such a nice perspective about how um, your understanding of play as a mother and how your children participate in play and how that has impacted their development and, and built your relationships as a family as well as what play can look like for a family across a variety of environments. And I appreciate your thoughts from a parent perspective on how occupational therapy has supported you and your family with building strategies and, and being collaborative and in problem solving what's going to work best to support play for you uh, and your and your children. So thank you so much yeah. for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is Sandy, and I just want to say that one thing that it really speaks to me in this uh, conversation today is learning about the wonderful relationship between Ashley, the OT, and the mom, Yolo, and we really want to thank you for, for contributing today, and you can really hear this, this wonderful relationship, this therapeutic relationship between the two of you with, with trust and with understanding, and I think similarly, you heard it uh, between Bonnie, the other occupational therapist, and Luke, the young child, and their playfulness and their understanding and relationship and how that trust and, and belief in each other um, for just engaging together in, um, really resonated with me. So I, I really think these are two beautiful um, exemplars of, of, of a therapeutic relationship and, um, and, and, and our clients that we're serving, both the family and, and the youth directly. So uh, next, I'd love to hear from a young adult voice about the importance of play and leisure for all ages, thinking about the transition from play into leisure. And Chantel, I was hoping that you could help lead us. What can you tell us about leisure and your daily activities as a young adult? Yeah, so um, as a college student, I completely agree on the value of hard work and dedication when it comes to studying. However, it's important to recognize the balance between work and play. Um, just walking around campus, I see so many students pulling all-nighters in the library, holding on to some sort of caffeine with bags under their eyes. Now, these are individuals who have not easily found their balance, which I am completely guilty of. Um, it's really easy to fall into a rut where you're constantly stressed or you aren't eating or sleeping properly. But when you're finally able to find your balance and find time to go to the gym or participate in things you love, it's transformative. However, I think we struggle to find balance when we forget how important our free time is. We get caught up on our phones, Netflix, hanging out with friends, but do we take time to do what we truly enjoy and express ourselves, whether that be painting, dancing, playing a sport, photography, 
or playing an instrument. And going through my high school and college career, I've noticed there's a refrain from activities unless it can go on your resume. And there's this concept of young adults not being allowed to necessarily play. It's almost wrong to be wasting your time on anything that's not studying. And now that I shifted into college, there's this whole work hard, play hard mentality. But thankfully, I've found my niche with going out for walks. I'm fortunate enough to live in a beautiful area. And there's a bunch of museums in D.C. And whenever I go for a walk or go to a museum, it gives me space to reflect. And I realize that there's so much more to the world. And I kind of um, forget about how hard my schoolwork may be, but it's all worth it at the end. And I also got the opportunity to interview a friend about her hobby, which was dancing. She was inspired by a Korean boy band that is really good at hip-hop dancing and decided to start learning the band's choreography on her own. And for five months now, she's been learning more and more dances. She was able to find more friends interested in her dancing and even found a dance group on campus. She loved the opportunity to teach and learn from her newly found community. And what I find unique about her story is that she isn't doing something like gymnastics where you would have had been doing it your whole life. Um, It took up to her freshman year of college. She found something that she truly loves as an outlet, which is so impactful because I know it can be difficult to find your niche. Chantel, I just really want to thank you for sharing your story. And I think this this piece about youth engagement and hearing from both Chantel and from Luke directly about an occupation of play and leisure and um, hearing their voices um, directly is a huge benefit. And um, it's just an honor to have uh, two youth um, who have been included in this chat today. And I also want to acknowledge YOLO and the idea of family engagement and hearing directly from our caregivers and our parents. So again, we can learn so much from hearing their voices directly and honoring it through this chat and throughout the year. So thank you, Chantel and and YOLO and Luke for sharing. And now I'd like to turn it over to Divya to help us to speak a little bit about occupational therapy's distinct value in offering play and inclusive play. Divya, can you help us to understand a little bit more about the evidence, what the evidence tells us about supporting the effectiveness of play for growth, for participation, and for development? Sure, thank you. So play uh, is an important occupation for children, and through play, a child can develop motor, cognitive, social-emotional skills, as well as creativity and problem-solving abilities. Occupational therapy practitioners value a child's participation in play and its impact on their overall physical, social, mental health, and well-being. There are several approaches that are used by occupational therapy practitioners as discussed in the literature to promote a child's engagement in play, and I will discuss five examples. The first example is occupational therapy practitioners can design community-based occupational therapy programs that can affect daily habits and routines of families and youth. In a very interesting study that was published in the American Journal of Occupational Therapy by Google and her colleagues, the researchers developed a wellness program for youth and their parents 
and explored its impact on daily habits. The findings suggest that several of the families noted that during and after the program, they began to intentionally participate in more active co-occupations such as bike riding, hula hoop activities, and jump rope activities that were taught in the program, and they also began to play outside as a family. The parents found that increasing the active time as a family was effective in reducing sedentary screen time. The second example is occupational therapy practitioners play an important role in adapting toys and other learning materials for a child to play effectively. We know children use a variety of toys and objects to play with. And occupational therapy practitioners can adapt those by using switches, adaptive keyboards to enhance the play experiences for children. Another example is occupational therapy can promote newer ways to enable play participation through designing community environments such as playgrounds and museums. For example, a study published by Silverman and Tuska which was published in the American Journal of Occupational Therapy, discusses efforts to develop sensory-friendly Sunday events at a local museum for families with children or young adults with sensory processing issues. So during this time, exhibit features were modified to reduce sensory stimulation, such as loud sounds and flashing lights in certain exhibits. Survey and interview data suggested that specialized programs like this with appropriate modifications in place improve the quality and the duration of museum visits for families with children or young adults with sensory processing needs and thereby promoting both participation and well-being. Another example is occupational therapy practitioners can educate parents or caregivers with strategies to play effectively with their child. For example, occupational therapy practitioners can use an evidence-based approach, which is called as the occupational performance coaching approach. And in this process, the family member identifies a goal, such as a play-related goal. Practitioners use coaching, which is a goal-focused conversational format to guide families to examine their goals in detail and help family members to develop solutions to attain the goals. There is extensive research to support the effectiveness of occupational performance coaching to attain play-related goals. And my last example is occupation therapy practitioners can help a child problem solve to develop effective strategies to play. Occupational therapy practitioners can use cognitive orientation to occupational performance approach, which is also called as co-op, that can guide children to independently discover and develop cognitive strategies to perform the necessary tasks of everyday living, such as bike riding, swimming, or playing a sport. And then there is extensive research published to support the effectiveness of co-op in improving motor skills and play participation. So in conclusion, occupational therapy practitioners have the capacity to promote the occupation of play by combining knowledge of environmental supports and barriers, child's developmental factors, 
and their specific knowledge of occupation. Divya, thank you so much. That was such an incredible and comprehensive um, overview of play and and the evidence to um, speak of its effectiveness and occupational therapy's distinct role in promoting uh, play. And I really can't thank you enough for reminding us of going to the literature and um, and uh, uh, continuing our best practices uh, to promote play and to advocate for, for our profession. So thank you, Divya, so much for sharing um, such a wonderful overview for us. Thank you. I also wanted to um, invite Karen, who uh, is going to share with us directly a practice story as an occupational therapist in her efforts uh, by giving us a little case scenario here about promoting uh, inclusive play. Karen? For this practice story, I'd like to share a story about a child that I recently saw for occupational therapy services. The child was a 30-month-old boy who was seen in his home environment through early intervention services. He was receiving speech therapy services already due to communication delays and was referred to occupational therapy due to play and social delays. The referral indicated possible sensory processing dysfunction that was affecting his overall development and his participation in typical childhood routines like play. I wanted to know more about the child's development and the parent's concerns, as well as any impact his sensory processing dysfunction might have on his participation in play. So I began by interviewing the parent. Interviewing the parent and developing an occupational profile provided a perspective of the family's concerns, which included limited play skills, limited interactions with peers and other family members, and limited ability to access community activities due to his frequent emotional outbursts. Interview questions of the parent were aimed at understanding the home environment, including the people in the home and the opportunities with peers, the toys and experiences in the home, and the physical components of the home. I then completed observations of the child playing in his home environment and observing the motivators to play, the barriers to his play, and the facilitators to his play. The parent was given standardized caregiver questionnaires to complete to assess his sensory processing, play, and social skills. The sensory profile two toddler version was used. The SEAM social emotional assessment evaluation measure was used and portions of the PACS preschool activity card sort was used. I now had the information I needed to understand the barriers and facilitators to his participation in play. Through the IFSP or the Individualized Family Service Plan process, I was able to develop goals and strategies for intervention along with input from the parent and the speech therapy service provider. I met with the parent to develop a time and day for therapy sessions that worked within the family's schedule. During the first occupational therapy session, I discussed the outline of therapy sessions, including direct one-to-one involvement with the child, parent-therapist interactions to mentor and model 
for the parent and coaching as an interaction style to educate and problem solve to help the parent find solutions to support the child's sensory needs for play. I also supported the parent to find resources and advocated for the parent to identify community activities and encouraged peer outings such as neighborhood playgrounds and library programs while using strategies to support the child's sensory processing needs for improved play and social participation. Through this intervention, the child made progress in his play and social skills by embedding sensory processing strategies into his daily routines. The child was generally happier with less outbursts and the family reported that they could attend family events with less outbursts. The parent was able to generate strategies to support the child in play and in social interactions with family members and peers across home and community environments, which enabled better participation in play and social experiences. The speech therapist was able to incorporate sensory strategies into speech sessions to support increased participation. The outcomes of the intervention were measured through weekly documentation and progress notes. The parent was asked to journal and indicate outcomes. The occupational therapy practitioner continued to use observation of the child and modified the plan to address added barriers and facilitators. After six months of time, the child could go to various environments, including home and community, accept social interactions with adults, and participate in play activities with peers. The parent identified happiness and joy as they could now attend various outings together. The parent expressed that, that her child may now be able to attend preschool. The success of this child was due to a collaborative effort between the occupational therapy practitioner and the parent or family and the speech therapist on the early intervention team. The parent's involvement and investment in this plan was a key factor to the success. The parent was open to the intervention plan and the strategies generated to support the child. Clear communication to understand the parent's values and routines, their cultural perspective, and desired outcomes for the child provided an ongoing dialogue. The occupational therapy practitioner and the speech therapist used the IFSP time to collaborate on strategies to support the child. Occupational and speech therapy also co-treated on occasion that would mentorship and, and use coaching to support the child. This story highlights the skill that OT practitioners use. A thorough occupational profile provided family information and through evaluation using interview, observations, and assessments, the barriers and facilitators to the child's play and social skills were determined. A well-defined intervention plan, along with intervention strategies, support, supported the child and the parents or family. Of the various intervention approaches used in this story, the three approaches that I found most effective were direct service with the child to model appropriate play, coaching of the parent to help her generate strategies to support uh, their child for play, and collaboration with the team for consistency and carryover.
monitoring of the outcomes allowed for modification to create more change. Karen, that was such a fabulous story. Thank you so much for, for sharing it. It really speaks to um, your um, strength in uh, working in a collaborative team-based approach. Um, so I, I found that so um, such a wonderful example, example for all of us. Uh, the occupation-based approach with the focus on the play and the family routines and the child's routines, the way that you were able to address the strengths of the family and using these strength-based approach as well as identifying the areas of challenge and ultimately helping this family, empowering this family so that they could play and engage together in their communities. Um, it, it's a real success story and we really want to thank you. It was very um, um, wonderful to, to hear all of your methodology and your intentionality and your science in the way that you approached um, sharing this story with us and obviously your process, your occupational process um, of evaluation and care and treatment um, was, was really a wonderful story and we really want to thank you for, for spending time with us today and for sharing that. Um, I wanted to move on to Ashley to talk a little bit about what is on the American Occupational Therapy AOTA's uh, uh, website, what resources on play uh, do we have on our website uh, that our listeners should, should know about? Sure. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, so I'm going to talk about some of the AOTA resources that are available to all of us, as Sandy mentioned. And first, I want to just orient everyone to where you might find these resources. So if you just go to www.aota.org, the main website, Along the top of the site, there are the blue tabs, and the first one is called Practice. And then when you, you don't even have to click on it. If you just hover over that word Practice, then many other areas will open up underneath that, and one of those is called Children and Youth. It's the first one, so it's right there on the top. And when you click on that, then it'll take you to a new page where you'll see lots of other links and resources. This is also where you can find the link to these recorded podcasts, uh, this one on play, in, in addition to uh, many other uh, topics that might be of interest and value to you as OT practitioners. So under the children and youth section, you'll see many topics, and one of those is play. And AOTA has several different play resources that are available to us as OT practitioners as well as for families. So I use some of these handouts uh, with the families when I'm working with them as, as resources as well as sharing with other interprofessional team members or even my OT team members who I'm working with. So I'm going to share a little bit about some of the play resources that we have available. Uh, so when you click on that play section, there are a couple of really nice resources about recess promotion. There is a PowerPoint that you can use as an OT practitioner to share the role of OT in recess um, and how that is an important school routine. So this is really for consumers or a presentation that you might do in your school setting to um, team members in your school district, or it could be to a group of families if they are interested in thinking about um, how OT can support uh, children in that recess time. There's also a, another uh, tip sheet on recess promotion 
and this is part of the School Mental Health Toolkit. And so that's another great resource. The entire School Mental Health Toolkit um, has, has various topics, and one of those is recess promotion and goes through, again, OT's role, OT practitioner's role in, in promoting recess and why that's important for children. Some of the other play resources that we have, there's one called How to Pick a Toy, the Checklist for Toy Shopping. And this is a great checklist for families and for consumers of our services. Uh, as an OT practitioner, I'll often get asked by families around birthday time or holiday time or sometimes just throughout the year about what kinds of toys might be good for their child. Or they have family members, you know, wanting to purchase something for their child and they, they want something that is going to help support the child's skills or development or participation in play. So this is a great resource. It is developed as a checklist um, where there are questions on one side, and many of these are linked to universal design principles. So we're really thinking about, um, you know, just readily available toys or materials that the families might already have available to them in their home or in their, in their natural setting. But really thinking about what uh, what might be appropriate for uh, for a certain child, and how many toys have lots of different um, characteristics that can can help support development and participation in play in many different ways. On this particular resource, there's lots of suggestions and examples as well of how you might um, use different toys uh, to promote certain play participation or play skills. Another, uh, some of the other resources that are in this section are other tip sheets on building play skills for healthy children and families and learning through play. So thinking about what children can learn through the process of play. Um, this is another um, nice resource that gives information about um, what OT practitioners can do to support learning through play in addition to what parents and families can do. I wanted to mention uh, another set of resources that is also available, and this is the Childhood Occupations Toolkit. And these can be found on that Children and Youth section, and if you click on Early Intervention, Early Childhood, and then under Practice Resources, there, there are a variety of other tip sheets and resources there. Uh, but the Childhood Occupations Toolkit is um, a toolkit of various other handouts, and these are all related to different routines that children and families experience during the day. So just some examples include establishing morning routines, mealtime routines, toileting, bath time, bedtime, and tummy time. Some of these are also available in Spanish for any families or practitioners who that might be um, helpful for. And these resources are really um, designed for consumers, for families, uh, thinking about those, those daily routines and and challenges that might occur or ways to build new skills. And there are lots of different strategies that are given about how families and, uh, and children can participate in those routines or how we can, can start to help support um, children who might be struggling in that particular routine. So I really like these occupation toolkit handouts. I give these out to families. Uh, you know, as an OT practitioner, I'm often hearing from families that you know, the morning routine is really challenging, or they might be interested in thinking about toileting, or it might be a younger child who we're working on tummy time, and I have these great resources that can help me to think about other strategies that I might use with that family. In addition to, you know, for a family that likes that written information, uh, I, can, I can have these resources available for, for them. 
Ashley, thank you so much for sharing uh, a number of our AOTA uh, pediatric resources regarding various childhood occupations, including including play. And I I, I want to um, acknowledge you for because you have also helped us develop some of those very resources that you mentioned today, uh, specifically the toy checklist and um, and and several others. So I really want to thank you for. Um, helping us to develop a, a really nice toolkit of different resources to um, to help our families and our our, our um, in their daily routines. So I just wanted to mention a moment about um, Children's Mental Health Awareness Day. So uh, AOTA is a sponsor, a supporter of the uh, SAMHSA's National Children's Mental Health Awareness Day, which this year is being held on May 10th, 2018. And this day seeks to raise awareness about the importance of children's mental health and to show that positive mental health is a, an essential part of a child's healthy development from birth. And according to SAMHSA, there are thousands of community-based mental health services and support providers, community programs, schools, and collaborating organization affiliates from across the country that will be estimated to be celebrating this annual observance. This year's theme for Children's Mental Health Awareness Day is Partnering for Health and Hope Following Trauma. It's focused on the importance of an integrated health approach to supporting children, youth, and young families with serious emotional disturbance who have experienced trauma. And Ashley, thank you, had mentioned the AOTA School Mental Health Toolkit. There is an information sheet on trauma and occupational therapy's role, and it will provide you with a lot of important resources, tools, and messages. So AOTA has been honoring Children's Mental Health Awareness Day every year um, for, for several years. Um, in previous years, we have focused on uh, various mental health topics, including caring for the caregiver. We've focused on bullying prevention. We've focused on autism safety awareness. And of course, this year, we're showcasing the importance of play for healthy lives and thereby hosting this very recording. We hope that you can champion the importance of play, not just today on Children's Mental Health Awareness Day, but throughout the year. And that's why uh, AOTA is inviting you to share a practice story of how occupational therapy builds inclusive play. We're also inviting you to collect children's drawings, like Luke's, about what is their favorite play. We want to showcase these stories and drawings in OT practice articles, and at the Pediatric uh, Children and Youth Specialty Conference that will be occurring in Milwaukee this fall. AOTA is also developing a video of, that's going to have little clips of families and children engaged in play that you can share with your consumers and will be a great advocacy tool, and stay tuned for its release. Um, and I particularly want to thank many of these speakers today who have helped to develop the very resources that I'm describing to you about this um, video and the clips. Uh, so it's a, a great honor and a, a great uh, gratitude for their involvement in the development of some of the tools that I've mentioned. In order to find these materials uh, for you to download um, and upload your story and uh, to share your drawings, please visit the play area of the AOTA website for this information. And uh, although Ashley already gave you some prompts to find it, I want to give you the direct link. It's www.aota.org slash practice 
slash children dash youth slash play dot ASPX. So you can honor Children's Mental Health Awareness Day by talking about the importance of positive mental health for all children and families, and you can advocate for the value of occupational therapy to address mental health too. And certainly, um, playfulness and being engaged in play is an important piece of our physical and mental health for our children and our families. So please feel free to share the link to this free recording. And I can't thank enough our wonderful speakers for today and the range of speakers that we've had today. We've heard from content experts that are occupational therapy practitioners, both in terms of their practices, their the research behind occupational therapy literature um, that supports the impact of effective play. We've heard from educators. We've heard from families. We've heard directly from various youth, both younger youth and our teens slash older youth, explaining the um, transition from play to leisure um, and, and really speaking to the occupational therapy role in promoting both inclusion and um, endurance for lasting play and its benefit for mental and physical health. Um, I don't know if anyone on the line has a final comment that they'd like to make because uh, we are starting to run out of time. Uh, but I do want to thank our fabulous speakers today, our families, our youth, our occupational therapists, uh, for leading a fantastic uh, conversation today that really pays tribute to Children's Mental Health Awareness Day and the importance of play. Does anyone on the line have a, a comment or a, a, a something that they'd like to leave us with before we uh, end our call? I just want to thank, this is Yolo, I just want to thank uh, my my OT therapist. Actually, was our therapist for a long time, and she, I, I was selfish. She made me a better mom. She made us better parents, and uh, everyone should pay attention to to how to implement play. Uh, either have a typical kid or a special kid. Um, I think the information is wonderful that the OTs give, and I'm thankful for it. Well, Yola, we're very thankful to have you on this call. It means a lot to us, and we learn from you. Uh, and, uh, uh, every day. So thank you for sharing this important information with us. So if there are no other comments from, from anyone on the line, we just want to thank you as our listeners for joining us today. Uh, we hope that you will share the link to this conversation. We hope that you will uh, reach and search for those additional uh, uh, play tools and uh, take advantage of the opportunity to share your stories and drawings. We look forward to many um, conversations in the future for our next uh, uh, pediatric podcast. And I guess we're going to say so long for now, but thank you so much for joining us. And again, thanks to our wonderful speakers today for all of you. And uh, we'll look forward to a, to a next call. So I guess it's so long for now. Thank you very much. Thank Go you. out and play. Go out and play. Thank you. Bye-bye.